KYW Original Podcasts. This is a Flashpoint Extra. I'm Flashpoint host, Cherry Gregg. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life donor program, Organ Donors Save Lives. Register today at DonorsOne.org. January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And if you've never heard of what human trafficking is, it is a form of slavery. It can be labor. It can be sex abuse. It can be so many things. And January is a time where we raise awareness of the signs of what's happening right under our noses. And so I had to bring in a woman whose story, uh, a family, should I say, whose story I heard about just in the community. I have Nicole and Janae Brooks in the KYW studios today. Uh, Nicole is an anti-human trafficking activist, but not by choice. Her daughter, Amadi, was trafficked uh, over the course of about a decade? About a decade. Yeah. From the age of 15 to maybe a year or two. First of all, welcome Thank to you. the studios. I heard about your story and it struck people to the point where they reached out to me and they said, Cherry, you have to meet this woman. Take us back. Your daughter was what, 15? She, her social media stopped. We didn't see her. I contacted the local police. They deemed her as a runaway, but we knew that this was not normal for Amadi. Yeah. Um, I filed my first FBI and missing exploited child report at that point in time. She was recovered in Chicago. She was lured through selling magazines, that thing that you see where you come sell magazines, you get four or five hundred dollars, and that's how she was lured. And when she was in Chicago and we recovered her from Chicago, I'm like, This this is not magazines because you know, I've heard stories about Chicago and the sex trade within Chicago. But still, you know, when she was recovered, they put her in a detention center, and then we flew her back home. We still didn't have an understanding of what was going on. She was 15, so this was 11 years ago. Yes. She was 15 years old, so this is roughly 2009. Mm -hmm. And was she living with you at the time? She was living with me. And then one day, what, she just disappeared? One day she just disappeared. And what was significant about that is she had came home. She was in high school. She had met a boy, and she was very excited. Mm. And his life kind of paralleled our life. He had the same last name. He had the same interests. His parents had the same interests as as us from his report, from her report. He really struck out because she was so excited. Mm -hmm. And... Unbeknowing, this is the boy that's going to be convicted of human trafficking. Yeah. And so your daughter's 15 at the time. She meets this young man. How long before, from the time she met him to when she disappeared? I want to say she met him September, October. She's going to disappear February. Was there any red flag for you? Did you see anything unusual? No. I didn't notice anything unusual. He was a teenage boy. Um, he was handsome. He, like, everything mirrored our lives. His parents lived in Delaware. My parents lived in Delaware. 
Like his last name was Brooks. His mother was going to school, or he said his mother was a doctor. Um, just everything just mirrored. So it was nothing to draw alarm. When did you start getting worried? Because she is 15. She did have a boyfriend. Did you get worried immediately, or did it take a day or two? When her social media, when there was no activity on her social media. Mm-hmm. So Mari is a person that, like, used to take pride in herself and spend countless hours taking pictures. So her social media was always active. So after 24, 48 hours of no activity on social media, no signs of her, no connections with her siblings, no connections with us, her grandparents, we became alarmed. So Janae being the oldest was just like, Mom, we haven't heard from Amadi. Nobody has heard from Amadi. So we're all alarmed. Yeah. And how many children do you have? I have eight children. You have eight children. And Janae, so you, you're you what? How old at the time? I think I was about 21, 22. And so you got concerned. Yeah. I mean, that's my baby sister. And we normally communicate because I have her nieces and nephews. She, you know, inboxes me on Facebook for pictures and things like that. Because that was before, you know, cell phones were big. Yeah. So back then I probably had a cell phone, but she for sure didn't because she was still a kid. So, you know, we would communicate either the house phone or, you know, social media. And we would always talk. Every day, still to this day, like even if she doesn't respond back, I still message her. I love you, you know, praying for better days, things like that. Like I always try to send her messages of encouragement. But by the second day, did I hear anything from her? I'm like, I think we need to go to the police. The police. So you go to the police, you file a report. Mm-hmm. And what was the reaction? They brushed it off like they, it really wasn't anything. They brushed. Like we were overreact. She's 15. She probably ran away. She'll be back. She'll be back. A lack of concern or regard. How long was she gone? About 48, 72 hours by this point. And so then when did, and what did you start to do? You like three days go by, you haven't Reached seen her. to her friends, posted on our, our social media at the time, um, go around the neighborhood, places we thought she might have been, people that we thought she might have been with, just contact the people that we knew and post on our social media. That's pretty much all we could do. And that was just the first time. That's just the initial Initial time. How long did it take for her to come back? Well, once I filed the FBI missing um, exploited report, and I said, if she's out, if she's a runaway, she would have her sister's ID, my other daughter's. And I gave her name. And that's how she was found in Chicago. She was stopped as a minor, and she showed her ID. And that's how she was recovered from Chicago. And how long did that take? Within a month. Within a month. And so was she different when she came back? Sassier. She got to taste her own money, fast money. Marty had a quirky personality. She often refers to herself as Sam. And um, when she walked out the door, you never knew if she was coming back. And this is after she returned? After she returned. So when she returned, she started packing this overnight bag, almost like she was ready to go again. Yeah, like, mind your business. Like, I'm with my boyfriend, mind your business. I'm with whomever. It's none of your business. I'm doing my own thing. And she but was this 15? Was, this was more so the guy telling her what to say and to do. It really wasn't her. It was him. Yeah, the like, same boyfriend that mm-hmm. she had the sex name yep. and all that kind of stuff. And so then was he left? Oh, it wasn't soon until after she left again. I want to say if it was even a whole month or two. It wasn't long after. She was going so frequent. We started to investigate. We started to look at who's liking pictures. We started to cross-reference their locations, their states, their cities that they were reporting on their social media. 
Marty is going to start to disappear more frequently. I'm not going to know about human trafficking yet. I don't know what's going on at this point. So she just seems like to me, and Janae, you tell me, this looks like a teenage girl who just decides she wants to up and leave whenever she wants to leave. She's going through something. And this was what people would say. They wouldn't (laughs) say this is trafficking. They would be like, well, it sounds like she just found a boyfriend and she just decided she didn't want to be at home no more. Yeah, but when I talked to her and I said, well, what exactly are you guys doing? Like, what is making you want to keep leaving? Like, what is he doing? What are you guys doing together that you're leaving? Not only are you leaving, going on dates, you're leaving, going out the state for a long, extensive period of time with no communication with your family. What are you doing? And they stop. Oh, I'm selling magazines. I'm selling magazines. And I'm like, you're not selling magazines, honey. What's the name of the company? And she couldn't produce this information. And, of course, you know, she just, like, talked her way around it because she's a talker. She talked her way around it. And at each time, that's what she did, talked her way around it. So she never specifically in those days told you what was happening to her. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And it wasn't until she would send distress codes to her sibling phones. And we had to get up around 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And she said it was an emoji with the upside-down face. So I remember us jumping up out of her bed. All we knew is she's in Merlin. You find your daughter. It's a man and a woman in a room. Mm-hmm. And it's a motel. Mm-hmm. And you're, they won't let your daughter out. No. Did you see her when you, they opened the door? Yes. And is she wanting to come out? Did she tell you to go away? She tells me to go away. She's scared. She tells me, Mom, you shouldn't be here. And I said, no, I'm coming out with you. You're coming. You're coming. She comes out. I said, the police is being called. So she comes out with me. I didn't stay around for the police. I just took my child and left because she was so afraid. Mm-hmm. She was so afraid. Mom, you don't understand. They're going to get me. They're going to kill me, Mom. You don't understand. You should have never came. And that was the thing. They always came back for her. They came back for her. They always came, came back, back for, for her. To the point where the last time where they had her in Vegas. And they took her ID, her photo ID and everything. So... Vegas, we can't drive to Vegas from here, like, not realistically, at the drop of a dime. We can't send her a flight because she has no identification to get on the flight. They were, like, burning her with cigarettes on her legs and her hands. Like, if she wasn't doing what they wanted her to do or if, like, they caught her communicating with us, burning her on her face and everything, cutting her, doing all, like, torturing her, if they even seemed that she contacted us. And so she was 16 at this time, Mm -hmm. 2010. Mm -hmm. Did you try to get police involved and say, this is... My daughter has been kidnapped, basically. It sounds like kidnapping to me. One of the barriers, statistically, is that for people of color, they're less likely to solicit the police. So once we got the initial response, oh, she had run away, uh, we never, we were, I felt like I was further victimized by the police because there was no help. It was just like, uh, she's probably a runaway, there's nothing we could do. It wasn't help. It wasn't support. It wasn't resources. It wasn't care. It wasn't compassion. It wasn't concern. It was just nothingness. We got more compassion from the city morgue every time we had to call. Oh, the we city thought morgue. That it was her body that they found. The city morgue people basically wound up knowing us because we were calling. Every time it was a young girl that fit her description, we were calling because she was missing. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's not her. No, it's not her. And by by the time we got finished calling a million different times, they pretty much knew who we were. And they're like, no, it's not her. So you found your daughter, and how? Where where all the places you found your daughter? That's outside of Philly, Chicago, Vegas, Connecticut, um, New York, Arizona. She was in Georgia before. Georgia, because they had family there. That's how I knew that. 
Alabama, Texas. So they were just taking her all over the place. The last time we retrieved her from the court do- court documents, they was on her way. They were on their way of shipping her out the country. I probably would have never seen her again. And so, when did you realize that this was this? There was a name for what what was happening. When it started becoming popular within the community, and everybody else started labeling it, I'm like. Oh, no, that happened to my sister, and that's what y'all want to call it now, that this is happening to people that you guys know or that you guys can relate to? Now it's human trafficking. When we were reaching out for help via social media, via we were calling news stations, we were calling radio stations, we were going everywhere getting trying to get help from the community that we live in. Nobody were was receptive. Of, social media was more help than our own law enforcement. And now it's called... Human trafficking. What did they call it before? She ran away. It, they just called She's it running out of away. <laughs> Psychologically, what did it do to her? It changed her. She's not the same person. She it's won't ever be the same person again. It destroyed her. She's a shell of a young lady. I call her butterfly because I just look at it like she's going through a transition and that she'll see her beauty. She went from taking pride in herself to diminish to probably no self-esteem. She's um, a heroin addict. By 18, they had turned her out on drugs. No help, no support once they got their conviction. I don't even know how to describe in mind. Right at this moment, broken, untrusting, shattered, devalued. I see a shell of a person. I'm just waiting for my daughter to return. She testified. They held her as a material witness. They also wanted me for a witness because it was times that I retrieved her from certain hotels. Now I'm knowing what's going on. So I retrieved her from certain hotels, hotels that they are now under investigation or they suing for human trafficking. So when the um, FBI came in, like they were... Building a case for all these years, they knew exact locations that I had picked her up where she was beat. They must have had wiretaps. They knew things. Was she one of many in this group? No. This one, it was two main girls, her and another girl. And these were the two main girls. And the other girl's responsibility was to recruit other, other girls. Marty would feel so bad. She would try to, like, talk the girls out. Like, she would be like, this is not for you. Just Like, she would try to help them escape. But for whatever reason, not all the girls listened to her. But I witnessed her try to help the other girls escape. Like, you know, by the time now, she's, like, 19. And these young girls are 15 when she first started. She's like, this is not for you. Go home. Your family loves you. Your family misses you. Like, go home. Like, she would lie to them, tell them that she was coming to see me come to see me so that she can help them have an escape room so that I can help her help them escape the younger girls that they were recruiting. And a lot of them, for whatever reasons, didn't go back. They go back like it was always different results. But she tried to help a lot of those young girls escape that they were recruiting. I and she was supposed to be out, like, showing them the ropes. But instead, she was like, oh, well, you know, we're going to stop at my sister's house. And she would stop passing, you know, like, no, this is the only safe place I have to talk to you. You need to go. Wow. So why wouldn't the girls leave? Now, that part, I'm not sure. I know that my sister personally was scared. And then once the drug thing got into effect, it was more so you need to be there because now you need to handle 
your situation. You they need to fix. But they had quotas. And that they had to meet. That they had to meet. Or she was beaten. You know, she still has the cigarette burns on her legs. She still has the cuts on her legs. She still has the marks. She was scared. So she had quotas. She had a quota. Mm-hmm. And they looked. This is the key. It wasn't like we could just bring her home. Now she's scared about her family being safe. Had they ever threatened you? No. Did you ever feel threatened by them? No, because I'm a mom. I didn't have enough sense to be afraid. To be afraid. But she was so afraid. So they would come. They would come to get her. So how do you secure your daughter 24 hours a day, seven days a week? No matter where she was, they were coming. When Once this trial happened and they were taken away, jailed, mm-hmm. Did she, was she safer then? She's safer from them, but then she lives with scars. What do you do with the scars? What do you do with it all? As a family, collectively, we have not recovered. As a family, as a unit, this is my baby daughter's third year in college, high school. She wrote her high school project on human trafficking. Maddie hasn't recovered. I can't say I've recovered. Have you recovered? I mean, no. I know that she can't even view my messages right now, but every day I send her a message and tell her I love her. Every day I send her a message and tell her I miss her. Every day I send her a message and tell her, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. Nothing in this world that I wouldn't do for you. My door is always open. Literally, my door is always open because of this. Because I don't know what may happen when she may need to come and may not be able to call and may have to come to my house or something in the middle of the night. Nobody's ever going my kids. She used to babysit my kids when I worked when she, before all of this happened. And my kids, well, what happened, Amadi? Y'all show us the pictures and she don't look like the same person. So she don't even resemble. She don't look the same. She's not the same. It's hard. It's hard because the Commonwealth or whoever, they got their conviction. But what about my child? Like, what about my child? And what about all these children out here to just fall off the grid? And and I got to ask you this because when we cover this issue and I've heard critiques of our coverage and we never know how to do it because a lot of the young women and men, boys and girls, they come back and we get missing children's reports, missing teens around that critical age all the time. I get I got several today. And when I see them, I don't know, is this a real missing kid? Is this a human trafficking situation? Like, I don't know. And so, you know, and then I hear your story and I'm just like, could we have helped you? You know what I'm saying? Like, what could have, what do you think could have been done differently that maybe... Maybe that first time after that month would have turned the tide and brought Amadi back and stopped it there or could have prevented it. What do you think could have been done? She was still in high school. So the school, if they would have been even a little bit remotely concerned about what's going on, then once she returned back and they found out what was going on, if they would have offered some type of assistance, even if it was just therapy, something, to make her feel like she was wanted, to make her feel like she was worth it, to make her feel however she needed to feel or let go of whatever she needed to let go. She was still in high school. She eventually dropped out. I think awareness 
I think awareness. I have a lot of friends that sit with me. I'll give you an example. One of my friends came home from church one Sunday, and he was excited to talk about human trafficking. He's a pastor himself. So he was like, I was at church, and they were talking about human trafficking, and it's hogwash. And I said, excuse me? So what do you know about human trafficking? Oh, that stuff ain't true. And then I gave him my story. And he ended the conversation by saying, I can't even talk to you anymore. I need to stop talking. People think maybe some of them are runaways. Like my daughter that was deemed a runaway that came back many, many times that I retrieved from many different states. There were traffickers out there selling her for their material gain. And they kept on coming like the wolves that they are to eat and devour. And everybody acted oblivious. This, Including the celebrities. Yeah, this doesn't That occur. she encountered that knew that they were kids. This doesn't occur. Yeah, but it's occurring. It's not happening in a far country. It's happening right here. A lot of these girls that go missing or solicited into trafficking, they may return back home. But what's the story once they return back home? Is their story like Amadi's? What we rarely hear is from the young women themselves. And so I think that this movement, and it's, it's devastating because they've done this to a person where they literally destroy them uh, and brainwash them and do all these things to them. How do you rebuild yourself enough? Because it takes a level of fortitude to be able to speak out against this. Me personally, I worry because I know that a lot of these cases are not just runaways. So, I mean, we would all like to, I'm sure we all would like to know what what's going on. Because if this was a human trafficking issue, we should know. We, we should know so that we can protect our families as well. But we can't know if everybody, if won't nobody step up. And, and that's, I feel like that is, and that's why I commend your family, the two of you, saying, coming up, saying this. Because this is step, well, this is layer one. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is layer one. Um, And, you know, we have a lot of protections for victims, so we don't even try to say their names. You've got protections where you know you use initials and all these different things to protect them because the people do come after them Mm -hmm. i had a young woman i did interview she was from philly she lives in new york we showed her from the literally just her mouth Mm -hmm. when i did a tv story on this just her mouth and we did not use her name and she was scared for her life as a mighty when we recovered her in connecticut she was so scared like they had to lure her away from the room. She went back to the room. And then they called us and said she won't come. And we said, no, this is this is this is this is not what you think it is. It was out of fear. So I'm on the phone with her and she's like, Mom, you said you wasn't going to send the police. I couldn't get there fast enough. And when they got her out, I remember the friend 
like mm. calling and saying he took her to the train station and how hungry she was. And I remember her when she came home and she took off her clothes and wore cigarette burns up and down her legs. Um, and she would say, this is <laughs> right after that, we're up in the far northeast and we're riding. And it's a white van. And people don't think these white vans is true, right? It's a white van. And she said, Mom, that's the type of van. And she was so upset, she got in the floor of the car. Now, she's in her 20s at this point. She gets in the floor. Do you feel like things are changing now? Do you feel like the fact that we have a human trafficking awareness month, something that I hadn't heard of five years ago, is now a thing? No, because it just sounds like words. It's human trafficking, but what are we doing about human trafficking besides giving it a month? What are we doing within this month to be proactive about the situation? What are we doing to be proactive so that these things don't happen? What are we doing to for the people who are victims of human trafficking? We can't just say, hey, this is you know human trafficking. Like, what are we doing for these victims? What are we doing to prevent it from happening Yeah, within this month? What made Amadi vulnerable to this? Research-wise, research-wise says girls that have experienced childhood sexual trauma is more likely to be a candidate for human trafficking. So I guess they wear different type of emotional scars. Mm. They sense those emotional scars. So if we have early sexual trauma, and we're going into our adolescence. It's a disconnect somewhere within the family. Just just based on trauma. So then I mighty quirky personality. She it was like she was redefining herself. Mm. Like she would come home and say, Mommy, it's Monday. Monday I only eat um food that start with an M. So it was already self-esteem issues related to her childhood experience. Yeah. So that was one of the things, right? Madi, the sexual, early set, um, sexual trauma. If, if we were to say parents who are listening to this, who have a daughter, who have a son, because uh, now we, we hear about boys being trafficked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I did a story about how, you know, when the Super Bowl is next week, this is weekend, and Super Bowl is prime time for human trafficking. Mm-hmm. They take their girls and their guys to these cities with these large conferences of men, and they sell them. Uh, and when the when the NFL draft was in Philly, we asked when I did my story, I was like, "This y'all need to be on the lookout because this is what's happening mm-hmm. right under our noses." And the thing is, people don't even really know. Like you see somebody. And the thing is, they don't really always say, help me. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to be with this person. People seem normal. Like, this is what they want to be doing. You know, this is, I like this person. I like being here. But they only do that because they're afraid. Marty can spot someone, right? Mm-hmm. She can spot someone. She'll go places and be like, mom, she don't want to be. Call the cops. Call the cops. Marty can 
spot strangers. Now, we can go places. And she'll look. She was on a flight one time, and she came home so upset. She said, I wanted to call. I wanted to call. She needed help. And there's girls out there that need help. And it's a whole lot. I have become obsessed. Janae always tells me every time someone goes missing, Mom, you can't reach out to these people. You can't go on social media. You can't be in their DMs. You can't be in their inboxes. You got to leave these people alone. You and Marty. Yeah, because I'm in there. Once I, If I see a child missing, do you know what to do? Yeah. Do you know who to call? So I'm in there just trying to be a support. How do you cross-reference the social medias? Do you know how to go through every person? If they like a picture too many times, that's a red flag, especially if you don't know the person. And suppose the person is out of state. And I'm saying even girls and boys, I'm talking about if it's a male-like or it's a female, because they use the young girls to lure the other girls. So who lured your daughter? This boy? Um, I think he lured her, and he was working for an older guy. So this teenage boy with the same last name and the same story, did he really have the same story? No. Or did he just use that to lawyer your daughter? He watched her social media. And got her story. And got her story without her actually telling everything. So between her social media, her putting that little information, you know, on there it says, you know, like the family line. So my sister name is Janae Brooks. My other sister name is such and such Brooks. Or my other sister name is such and such Martin. And he put all those pieces together and then... The little bit of information that she may have given him Greatest. came up with his own story. They were similar. Very similar. So what is your advice? And, and before I ask you what is your advice, what do you want to see change? I want to see a greater sense of awareness. I want to see a proactive approach. If we look at statistically who is at risk, then we address these populations. I've done um, a symposium on human trafficking in Southwest at Myers. I could have walked to blocks. The girls are now missing. They're listed on Black and Missing. One, I forget, if, I, if I had their names, we got one, 14 years old. She'd been going for two years of, in December. Off of the 1400 block of Rogers. We got one on 55th and Pine that's been going two years off of 55th and Pine. We got one on 56th Street that's been going two years. We got one on 54th Street that's been going two years. How is it that nobody knows these children's name? And if you're going black and missing, they all look alike. They all look alike. If you look at the girls that's missing, they're from the ages of 14 to 21, and they look like they all could be sisters. I would like awareness. I would like these children recovered. My daughter was on her way to be shipped out of the country. I would have never seen her again. I'm assured. I have to say, I've never heard of anything like this before in my entire life. 
And uh, I'm sorry this happened to Amadi. I'm sorry this happened to your family. Um, you know, and and but I'm glad that you have the strength to speak about this, both of y'all, because I'm telling you, like this could happen to anybody's kid. What is your advice to parents? Pay attention. Watch their social media. Their social media. The kids. Walk your kids to school. Walk your kids to the store. We don't live in the same day and time when we were younger and we could play outside late at night or be on the block by ourselves and things like that. Watch your kids. So focus on your kids. Put focus on that social media. Take different routes. Don't always take the same route. Be aware of your surroundings. Everything is not what it seems. Female friends, male friends, get background information. Meet the parents. Especially Uh, the female friends. Especially because I want to say this again, that although Marty was lured by a male, once she was lured, it was girls that civil, made her feel comfortable. It was girls that lured her even more. So when they would come back into when they was coming to look for her, they sent the girls her age. So even if she didn't want to leave, it's like, oh, please don't leave me. You know, we're supposed to be friends. We got to be in this together. Protect me. You got to protect me. We we got to protect each other. Stay with me. Yeah. Well, I want to say thank you to you both. Nicole and Janae Brooks um, for sharing your story. I'll tell you this. I'm going to be praying for Amadi. Thank you for sharing your story. And I hope this helps other parents and families um, watch out for their children. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a Flashpoint Extra. Flashpoint is KYW News Radio's weekly public affairs show. It airs every weekend on 1060 a.m. on your radio dial. And it comes on at 9.30 p.m. on Saturdays and Sunday morning at 8.30. So you can subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast for exclusive content like this extra. Until next time, I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. Thanks for listening.